You can have a, a seat. Um, welcome, and we are so, so glad you're here. Uh, my name is Daniel. I do not work on staff at Mosaic. Kyle trusted us with the keys to the kingdom today, so 
Try not to burn the place down. But um, it's super good to get to worship with you guys today. And I just want to say that if you're new here, um, man, fellowship is is my home, and I would so so glad be glad to to, to meet you and to hear your story and just to hear how. You know, if, if, if you're in a place where you're needing some support or community right now, um, I, you know, come find somebody. If you see somebody that has a smile on their face and you're like, I don't even know that person, just go up and talk to them. I'm sure that they would be glad to meet you. So uh, specifically, we have a little circular booth out in the lobby. I'm sure you saw it when you walked in. That, that is a great place for more information if you are needing it and needing how, how, to, how do I get connected. And so... Um, Again, this is a house where we get the chance to just be a family and whatever the week has brought, whatever stressors and whatever things that, you know, maybe it's like, okay, I had a great week and I feel like me and the Lord are, you know, walking in stride with each other or maybe, you know, the, 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 the stressors and the worries of the world are just absolutely eating me up this week. Um, this is a place where we can come and we can just be before the Lord, as he created us, as he remade us in his image. And we've been bought with the blood of his new covenant. And so we are a family. And so as we worship tonight, um, you're gonna hear the word faithful and faithfulness a lot. And and that's, that's really intentional because as we read this passage that we have tonight, um, it, I we read about a lot of things that, to be honest, are kind of hard to understand when you just read it in scripture and you're like, I don't actually know what that means. There's not like a, a natural application of like, oh, this is how that fits into my week. And sometimes I can get really confused and really fearful in moments like that when I'm reading scripture and I don't know what's going on. But we serve a God that in all of the questions, in all of the gray area, he wrote the beginning, he wrote the middle, he wrote the end. And this is the God that's with us today. And so, if you would with me, I just, I, I need to do this. I need to close my eyes, because um, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm really nervous to be up here. Uh, and I just need to close my eyes and be reminded that I am standing before the living God, and he says, I love you. So if you would, close your eyes with me. Just take a deep breath. Release. You are loved by the Most High God who has every reason to look upon us and to judge us for our sin, but has given us grace and a place at the table as his children. So we sing to him today.
take a second to pray over our offerings. And this is just a simple way to say thank you, one of many ways to say thank you for the Lord's faithfulness in our life. So would you read this with me? Oh, Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiply the offering of fish and loaves, please multiply this to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, Lord, for all we have is already yours. Nothing we can give could match your great gift to us, your son and your spirit. Amen.
Would you stay standing for the reading of our word tonight? Good evening. My name is Chris Barron. Uh, my wife and I, my family, have been worshiping here at Mosaic since 2009. I I've been serving in the kids' ministry ever since before my oldest was even born. I'm still serving there now. You'll see me do check-in occasionally, and you'll see me worshiping in the community ministry. Hi, I'm Dana Barron. Um, it has been my privilege to serve in lots of ways over the years. Um, most recently, I've been able to be a part of the um, Women's Leadership Committee um, leading um, Bible studies and um, helping to launch a new ministry for Mosaic Moms. And I'm going to give a little plug. If you are interested, we are going to be having an informational meeting next Saturday at 5 o'clock. And we'd love for you to come. If you are a mom of any age or stage, you are welcome. We'd love to see you there. Um, our scripture today comes from Daniel Daniel 9, starting in verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Seventy sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Know and understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be 70 sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering, and at the temple he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good evening. My name is Colin. It's good to be with you, Mosaic. Hey, if you wouldn't mind, isn't it sweet when the saints get together and we sing over one another like that? But if you're like me, sometimes you're dropping kids off and you're coming to this room and you haven't even taken a chance to say hi to the people behind you and in front of you. So, Hey, could you just take 30 seconds and turn to the neighbors around you you haven't met yet or said hi to and make sure you get to greet one another. Nice. Oh, hi. Good to see you, Amy. It's a... Uh, it's easy to come in this room, and even as if you were here last week, Nick said so well, we can lose sight of what we're trying to do here. And we can lose sight of, of that we're coming into this space on Saturday nights to know the authentic Christ, but also to engage with our family, our spiritual family here at Mosaic. And so please, never, never feel like you can't come into this room and say hi to one another. Have you studied this passage of Daniel before? Anybody done the 77s before? Okay, so you know we're about to enter into a, a pretty significant journey, right? <laughs> this is gonna be exciting. I've, I've been geeking out for a couple of weeks now uh, over this, this time. 
Um, the first time I encountered uh, Daniel's 70 weeks was October 21st, 2011. I'll never forget it. Do you know what happened on October 21st, 2011? Two things. One, I went to Minnesota, cold, it was snowing, and I was meeting my soon-to-be wife's, the matriarch. I was meeting the grandmother that held it all together. This is my grandmother-in-law, stern Norwegian Lutheran woman. She can watch this at Hi, Rosella. She frowns as a smile, very like Norwegian, stern, any northerners you know, like that's, that's her thing. She's 90 at the time, 86 years old, still runs the family farm. And uh, there's some pressure for me because I want to marry this girl and I'm going to visit not just her mother, also the, the grandmother. And uh, we get to the farm and I, I've never done this before, uh, asked a woman to marry me, much less uh, gone to meet another woman's family and stayed in their farmhouse where, um, I don't know, it looked like a horror film. But uh, <laughs> while I'm there, um, first night, we get in late, cool. Like, I don't have to meet anybody. I'm good. I'm an introvert, so I'm already kind of like anxious in social settings. And um, I'm laying down in bed, and, and I just have this notification pop up on my phone that the end of the world has been announced. Oh, my I thought I was getting married, and so I do. I go down the, the bunny rabbit, and I won't, I'll spare you his name because I don't want to shame anybody. But someone had taken Daniel's 70th week and taken the teaching of what we're doing tonight, and they had found in it a hidden spiritual significant meaning. Everybody go, ooh. And in this spiritual hidden meaning of Daniel chapter 9, there's actually a Mayan calendar. And this Mayan calendar, if you do the math correctly and this and this, it has a date. And that date was actually three years ago, October 21st. This guy had already made a doomsday declaration. And it didn't work. And so he redid the math. He said, oh, no, no, sorry. I missed that part with the 70 and the sevens. And here's what it actually means. The world is going to end at midnight, October 21st. Terrified. And so I go down the, the rabbit trail. I, I've never read Daniel chapter nine before, much less these 70 weeks. And so I get into it, and guys, I'm not gonna lie. I was so scared because everything I had hoped to happen in my life was about to come to a close, and here's this doomsday declaration, and, and it sounds like I'm getting anxious, and then we go out to dinner the next night, and I, I, I wish the world would have ended because we're at this, this diner, and I can't get the knife out of my napkin and it slides out and perfectly steak knife spins across and taps my soon-to-be grandmother-in-law right in the chest. And she thankfully did her little frown and laugh. And that was my first encounter with Daniel 70 weeks. And friends, after, thank God, a lot of study and a lot of good teachers like Nick Rowland and some folks like Robert Cup and Carrie Tucker and people who've done the hard work in this book, this is a hopeful message for the follower of Jesus. And, and I don't want to approach tonight with fear and with trembling like we might have in some of our apocalyptic, which doesn't mean end times, it means unveiling. And as we dive into this apocalyptic piece that is an unveiling of what God's doing in the world here in Daniel, I hope you leave with a significant amount of hope in Jesus the Messiah tonight. And uh, if you notice that there's a lot of sevens, aren't there? that we're about to talk about. It was funny, even as I was building slides, um, it, it kept coming up of like, well, this seven's there, and that seven's there, and this seven is here, and it's, it's a lot of sevens. And it's kind of like, it seems like God's favorite number might be seven. Now, uh, it, it's interesting because there, there are numbers across the Bible, and what I wanna do tonight is, is just focus in on this one theme of seven, and we're gonna do it in three movements. One, we're gonna look at seven before Daniel chapter nine in the scriptures, it's on the screen. Then we're gonna look at the role of and significance of seven within Daniel chapter nine. And then guess what? Movement three, we're gonna look what the scriptures say after Daniel chapter nine about seven. And here's a question I'd love to wrestle with together tonight. Is this series of seven revealed to an Israelite exile in Babylon significant to you and I today? I'll repeat. Is this series of seven Revealed to an Israelite exile, Daniel, in ba ancient Babylon, is this significant to you and I today? 
And I hope you just have an overwhelming sense that the answer is yes. So, movement, number one. Let's look together. If if you were to just first page of the Bible, flip over to chapter two, you see that on what day God rested? Sabbath. Now, um, I don't want to get into the place where my friend who led me down the doomsday goes, where every time we see a seven, it means some hidden spiritual significant meaning. Sometimes a seven is just a seven, folks. A three is a three, a twelve is a twelve, a ten is a ten. However, there is a pattern you begin to see in and through the scriptures of this idea of seven. So on the seventh day, Genesis chapter two, we see that God rests. He Sabbaths. God himself takes a Sabbath. That is a day to cease from work. The work is finished and just to enjoy and delight and rest. Tell me, are there any other gods that do that? I don't think so. I've studied a lot of different religions and it seems like most of the other gods are either at war with one another or demanding things from their people. The God revealed in the second page of scripture is a God who enjoys his creation. He delights, he rests. And then if you were to keep following, there's some others, but then you reach this point, this is kind of cool, I didn't know this, where Noah has this cycle of seven different days, seven days, seven days, seven days, when the flood has finally ended, and then God gives him a symbol, do you know how many colors are within the rainbow? Seven. It's kind of interesting. So here again, we have this, God is resting on the seventh day, these series of seven within Noah, and God is leading him into a new restored creation and inviting him to partner with him. It's almost a mirror of Genesis 2. Moses is on the mountaintop, on Mount Sinai, after an excruciating time under Egyptian rule and authority, and God invites him, as I rested on the seventh day, so my people are to have a day, a Sabbath, a day to slow down, dedicated to trust and worship me. And it's to be observed weekly. That this is something that's just going to be written into the code of the Israelite life, is that we are a people who delight and rest with God. From there, Aaron uh, this is the, the uh, priest that's gonna be established. He and the Levitical priesthood, Moses has given command, take the priest and for seven days sit in the tabernacle to consecrate the priest. Seven days with God in the temple of meeting. Moses and the soon-to-be priests who are going to have sacrifices for the people of Israel. For seven days, they sit with God. Joshua, this one's significant. Joshua, now we're going to the promised land. Headed in, God has a land, he has blessing, he has people, and he has a land, and he's moving his people into that land, but problem, someone else is taken over, and they have to get through it. So God calls on them in the city called Jericho, that on the seventh day, you are to circle the city seven times and blow seven trumpets. You're going to walk on the seventh day, walk seven times, and then stop and then declare that I am the God who's going to have victory. It's an invitation to rest, not to to go to war, not to climb up the walls, rest, and God provides a way. Then lastly, Leviticus, um, we have seven annual feasts that Israel is is to celebrate, that these are going to be times, seven feasts that they are to celebrate throughout the year. So not only are we resting weekly, we're also having celebrations, celebrating what God has done not only through the Exodus story, but what he's promised to do in and through bringing his kingdom to the world. Fascinating, right? Seven. And uh, all across it, what you find is this, this idea of seven, it, it communicates completion. Some people say perfection. I, I don't think so because uh, I look at the world and I'm like, I don't know if it's perfect yet. <laughs> but complete, that God creates, creates, it's good, it's good, it's good, complete. Also, there's this, this idea that he's restoring. Noah, the flood, oh, it's, it's, it's been wiped out and now there's a restoration. And also there's the fulfillment that God promised this land. So the seven here represents not some significant spiritual code. It's, it's just showing that God is a symbol of his faithfulness. He's fulfilling his promises. And uh, we, we do this all the time. Numbers can be literal or figurative. So I'm a 90s baby. Now, ironically, I was born in 1990, but also there's a a, a metaphor for the decade of 90s. I saw a guy recently, he had a tattoo on his stomach and it said, I'm a 90s baby. Hey, if I ever am about to get a tattoo on my stomach that says, I'm a 90s baby, will you slap me in the face? 
Are you kidding me? But we do this. We understand that numbers can be literal and they can be significant. And so it is in the scriptures, this idea of seven. Hey, if you want to know more, particularly on the feast, my good friend, Carrie Tucker. Carrie, say hi. Carrie has written an entire study on the festivals and the feast. And they actually are launching. Ladies, they have that study launching next week. And so if you're like, hey, this is fun. I kind of want to geek out in the scriptures and know more. Our ladies are going to be getting together Thursday mornings. Thursday mornings, sign up, come join us and grow in your knowledge and understanding of these so that you can teach me. I kind of want to take it. Um, But the idea is that the seven regularly communicate Sabbath, which is an idea of trust and rest. And so we continue, Leviticus 25. Notice God not only wants to provide rest for his people, he also wants to provide rest for his land. This is fascinating. Leviticus is is a manual, so it's telling us this is how the Levitical priesthood, as well as Israel, is to live in the promised land, to live and partner with God. And so in chapter 25, we have this. While Moses was on Mount Sinai, the Lord said to him, give the following instructions to all the people of Israel, and when you have entered the land I'm giving you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath rest. Before the Lord, every seventh year. Here we go with the sevenths again. But again, if you hear seven... Remember, this is an idea of restoring, completion. God has something significant he wants to do in and through that time period. And so on the practical side of things, this makes sense. I'm not a farmer. Some of you may be, but there is a season of fallow, correct? Where you actually need the land to rest. You need it to to be able to produce good growth. You have to let it take a break. So there's a practical reason here that God is revealing this to Israel, but there's also a theological reason. Rest and trust God, not created things. I mean, could you imagine if we as a society, every set, after six years, we took a year off together? We're like, no, I would be, I would get bored. I'd be miserable. But here it is. It's, could you imagine being the other, uh, other peoples and nations around? And here's, they're all working and striving and they're praying to their gods and offering sacrifices. And here is Israel taking in a full year off, trusting that God's gonna provide for them. And that the next year as they get back to work, it provides, with the land rested, it provides full new growth. And then Leviticus 26, so we have 25, God's design and desire. Let the land rest, just like you are resting, my people and my land, Sabbath. And then 26, we have the consequences. If you obey, if you follow, if you trust me, There's gonna be freedom. You're going to enjoy and delight because you're living within my design, but if you do not, I will scatter you among the nations and bring out my sword against you. Your land will become desolate and your cities will lie in ruins and at last the land will enjoy its neglected Sabbath. Years, uh, it, was, it lies desolate while you are in exile in the land of your enemies. And then the land will finally rest and enjoy the Sabbaths it missed. As long as the land lies in ruins, notice here, God sticks to his promises. It will enjoy the rest that you never allowed it to take every seventh year while you lived in it. Do you think God cares about his promises? Do you think God cares about rest and providing for his people? Absolutely. God also cares about holiness. He cares about the the sanctity of those who he is calling to partner with him in this world to usher in his kingdom. And if you're a student of the scriptures, how does Israel do? Not great, right? Jeremiah chapter 29. This is what the Lord says while you're in exile. They didn't do a great job. Actually, it's fascinating if you look at the king's Uh, Never once have we actually seen Israel follow through on these. As you look throughout the the Chronicles and and 1 and 2 Kings, they've continued to neglect and disobey and go against God. And so they head into 70 years of captivity. And you will be in Babylon for 70 years. Notice there again, a seven. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I've promised and I will bring you home again. The chronicler, he's reflecting on the captivity for Israel. This is where Daniel is in Babylon. And he says, the message of the Lord spoke to Jeremiah was fulfilled. The land fully enjoyed its Sabbath rest. So why are God's people in exile? 
because God promised that there would be a rest and they could enter into it or they could reject it and they rejected. And so you have Daniel sitting and he's reflecting on Jeremiah 29 and and a few lessons. One is there'll be 70 years of captivity. It's a judgment for Israel's sin. This is something God's actually bringing upon his people for judgment, for justice. And the Lord will be the one to restore. But it's going to have, it's gonna require repentance. Jeremiah closes and says, before the 70 years comes to a close, there must be repentance before restoration. Which begs the question, who's gonna repent on behalf of Israel? Daniel chapter nine. Cool, how are we feeling? Movement one? We following? Okay, Uh, sevens have a significant role all the way up to Daniel nine. You tracking? God provides rest, he wants complete, he wants to restore. And so it begs the question, are these cycles of seven within which a ancient Israelite exile is being revealed in Babylon significant to you and I? Let's find out. Daniel chapter nine, Nick covered this last week, but return. In the first year of uh, Darius, uh, his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, reflecting on Jeremiah 29, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Now, if you do the time and, and, and the numbers correctly, we're at year 70, folks. Daniel's coming to the realization, it's, it's time to head home. I mean, this is Christmas morning, right? This is like getting up early and like, oh my goodness, it's, it's here. It's time. Let's get back. Daniel, his whole time in exile, let's get back to the land. Let's get back to the temple. That's his hope. And while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen earlier in the vision, this is the second time we see Gabriel show up in Daniel's life, came to me in swift flight about the time of evening sacrifice. And so here again, Jeremiah, 70 years, and it will require repentance. And so last week, Nick walked us beautifully through that repentance that Daniel takes, that posture where you have a man who, who doesn't even seem to have a ton of sin, and yet he's taking, he's humbling himself and joining his people and declaring, I have sinned, we have sinned. And here we go, movement two. Daniel 22, he instructed me and said, this is Gabriel talking to Daniel. Daniel, I have now come to you to give you insight and understanding. Secret code in Mayan calendar? Confusion and not being able to understand what I'm saying. Is that what the angel said? I come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, notice the power of prayer. A word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider and understand the word of the Lord. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city. Back up for a second. We just had 70 years in captivity, right? Daniel, I mean, it's, it's your 70. Let's get back to the land. How would you feel if it's Christmas morning and you come out and there's no gifts under the tree? And your guardian figure, your mom, your dad says, hey, it's actually going to be 70 times seven years, 490 years, and then you get the present. What? (laughs) Are you kidding me? I just want my Xbox. Like, what are you doing to me? It's Christmas morning. Daniel's been waiting. I wanna get back to the land. I wanna get back to the temple. No, there's actually something else in store. 70 heptads, that's, that's cycles of seven. Seven years, 70. 490 years are decreed, which means decreed by who? Yahweh. This is a part of God's sovereign rule and reign in this world. Well, that's just not fair. Like imagine, I'm sitting here and I've been so faithful to you, God. I'm in Babylon and I've served king after king after king. I just repented for all my people. Throw me a bone. See, I think Daniel understands some unmet expectations here. Where he thought God was gonna do something 
And God says, no, I actually have something else in store. You ever have those moments where you thought the promise or you thought the thing was gonna come through and the prayer is, is not getting answered or it seems like the cancer just keeps coming or I'm lonely. Am I, you ever been in those moments with God? See, one of two things are happening here. One, um, God is not good and he's leaving Daniel out to dry. Or God is consistent and he's gonna be faithful to his promises and he actually has something better for Daniel. Because in the 70 weeks revealed to Daniel, he says six things are gonna happen. Six things are going to happen concerning your people and your city, Jerusalem. And notice with me, the six things that are about to take place. An ultimate jubilee. That is, after, after 49 years of, for Israel, where they had Sabbath every seven, and then they had sabbatical years every seven years where they would let the land rest, and then every 49 years, there would be another cycle of seven where they had this jubilee. That is a year where they, the jubilee just means a, a ram's horn, which is a part of one of the festivals. And they would blow this horn and debts were covered. Slaves are released. And the people are to enjoy a reset on the land. It's an opportunity for re restoration and renewal in Israel. And here God says, I actually have a better jubilee. I have something more significant for you. Because for your people, I'm going to address the problem of sin. And for the city, I'm going to address the problem of, of a kingdom. Three things for the people. One, he's gonna end rebellion against God. Two, this, this ultimate jubilee, at the end of 490 years, there will be an end to human failure to obey God. Three, he's gonna provide reparations, atonement, a covering that will cover all the wrongs that have been done by God's people. God's people will be renewed, restored, able to rest. On the other side, on the, the holy city, there's gonna be uh, an inaugurated new society, a new kingdom which ha will have everlasting righteousness. That is, this will be a king and a kingdom that does right in this world, not corruption. Next, it, it will bring fulfillment of the vision. It will seal up prophecy, which is to say to close, to bring an end to it to finish out what God has started in this earth. And lastly, it will result in an anointing of the most holy place, which is not a city. It's God's dwelling. It's within, for Daniel, this is within the temple. This is where God dwells. And that at the end of this 490 years, there will be a restoration of that place, an anointing. And there's a spiritual principle here that I think we have to hold on to. Because God doesn't want just your behavior modification. Because imagine, I mean, if, if Israel goes right back in to the land, back to the promised land, out of exile, but they don't have the inner transformation that God desires for them. The same cycles of sin that they've been walking in are gonna continue. It's going to take a, a renovation of the heart, a complete transformation of the, the human. God has something so much better in store because not only does he long to dwell with his people, he longs to dwell with his people in a place where sin and evil cannot touch him or them. And so he gets a timeline. No one understand this, Daniel 9, 25. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sets of seven and 62 sets of seven. And it will, re, uh, it will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. So Daniel's given a specific time and a specific instruction. Um, not a secret code, uh, not some calendar not that he is to try and figure out. He's given from the time the word goes out to rebuild until the coming of the anointed one. Now, that, that phrase there, the anointed one, is significant. because that, That's the term Messiah. This is the one that, that Israel's been longing for, the one who's ushering in the kingdom of God. So again, Daniel's looking to get back and, and now God's going, I have a whole new set of, of change coming for you. And not only that, it's going to end when my Messiah comes. This gives Daniel hope. To rebuild with streets and a trench, that means it's going to be viable. It's gonna be a city and there's going to be even economic and military growth, but it's gonna be at times of trouble. There will be conflict 
when this comes through Daniel. And so Daniel has this prophetic timeline. Word to restore Jerusalem. They're gonna be seven sets of, uh, 70 sets of seven. There's gonna be seven of them that, that go, and then there's 62. So we have seven years, and then 62 sets of seven. And lastly, until the anointed one comes. When, when he, that's when it ends. And what we need to understand is that God reveals to Daniel a very significant principle. That he reveals to Daniel the Messiah will come and that the Messiah will come with a specific purpose at a specific time in a specific place to redeem, to rescue, and restore. And so friends, is this, this need for fear for us? Is this doomsday end of the world? We better like batten down the hatches? This is good news. The hope, the king is coming. Movement one, we had sevens represented before Daniel nine. Movement two, we have sevens happening in Daniel chapter nine. How are we feeling? We okay? You tired of hearing the number seven yet? Let's keep going. So what we find is in this prophetic timeline, movement three, let's look at what happens after Daniel nine. Is God faithful? Does this group and set of sevens given to an ancient Israelite exile in Babylon have anything to do with you and I? Watch how good and gracious our God is, friends. In the book of Nehemiah, he's a prophet. He gets a decree. A decree of Artaxerxes, which we actually know from the the last book we studied, which was Esther. He gives a word, March 5th, 444 BC. Hey, Israelites, return. Go. Go home and rebuild. Uh oh. Countdown started. We're at 490. We're going down. So we have sevens, seven sets of seven years, and then 62 sets of seven years. That's 483 years that Israel is to do three things return, rebuild, and await the Messiah. This is actually, as they have the temple rebuilt, this is where we get second temple Judaism, which is the Judaism of Jesus' day. And the city is rebuilt, the temple's going, and they are to wait for one who is to come, the Messiah, the Prince, to usher in the kingdom of God. And so they're waiting with anticipation. And then it's silence. And uh, Daniel was told there will be times of trouble The city will be rebuilt, but it's gonna come with times of trouble. Um, If you actually look at at the time when Jesus comes to the scene, Rome is in charge for Israel. They have a new ruling authority. It's not Babylon, but it's Babylon-esque where we have Rome now as the ruling and reigning authority over God's people. And how fascinating is it that to a T, we are given the exact date when Jesus comes in riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. That the triumphal entry of Jesus, which we'll celebrate next week, March 30th, 33 AD. And there's a couple of different views about this timeline when the word goes out. And Nick and I will get around a microphone next week and talk about those. We do a podcast called Footnotes. So if you really wanna geek out on like, well, I thought it was this king and this date or again, but this is a view and it's personally my favorite view. And it's actually why we've done Daniel the way we've done it, is that we wanted to begin to look into Holy Week and Easter, as well as the resurrection appearances where we're going here in a few weeks, with the anticipation that Daniel sets us up for, awaiting that king to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. He comes in on Palm Sunday and they say, Hosanna, Hosanna, our Messiah, the king is coming. See, it reveals to us that Jesus is the Messiah. When he comes riding into town on that donkey, he is the Messiah who's come to rescue and restore and redeem. Because Daniel said that the Messiah is gonna come and he's gonna do six things. One, he's gonna finish transgression. He's gonna put it into sin. He's gonna atone for wickedness, bring everlasting righteousness, seal vision and prophecy, and anoint the most holy place. We find a truth and a reality here in Daniel chapter nine that Jesus is the one, he is the king who's come to restore and make all things new. And we can trust that. 
But there's one more, one more set of seven. We've only done 69. And this is the one that's fascinating because this is the one that uh, gets the most amount of attention. That's the one actually tonight I, I wanna give little to, not because I don't think it's important, but because of all the things that Daniel has given attention to. And again, Nick and I will get together and we'll discuss a little more on the 70th. But if you were to look, there's, there's several different views of what's happening here. Where's that last set of seven? Uh, so Daniel gets the final word from Gabriel. After 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. And the people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now, we have two rulers here. We have the Messiah, the prince, coming in to usher in God's reign and rule, and some other ruler who's come in to destroy God's sanctuary, his temple, his city. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. That is one set of seven years. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of that seven, he'll put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation. Now, for a Hebrew reader, they hear the term abomination of desolation. You know what comes to mind? Pagan sacrifice. Typically, that involved Israel offering their children as sacrifices. This is a detestable act for God's people throughout the history of Scripture. But what we see is there's actually going to be, after the anointed one is put to death, a future pagan sacrifice in the temple where God's people once again turn away and it's an abomination to him. But until the end that is decreed is poured out on him, that is that the other ruler has an end. God has something in store. And so to review this last movement, Daniel 77s, there's a decree to rebuild Jerusalem This is in the past. 77s and 62 sevens, 483 years, and the anointed one will be put to death. That is the cross. And then there's the future. That is, there is a ruler coming to destroy, and there's a decreed end to that ruler. And Paul does something fascinating. Here in the middle, he calls it in Ephesians 3, he says, this is the mystery that wasn't revealed to Daniel. And that's the church, us where Israel's Messiah not only comes to lead Israel into the kingdom that God has for them, he comes to invite all nations into that work, which leads to our present moment in this timeline. But even as we anticipate the end of this timeline, we have a hope that Jesus is the Messiah who will return. He'll return to rescue and redeem and restore because this is the good news of the gospel. This is what Jesus came to do, that the Messiah was prophesied in Daniel chapter nine, and he came there on the triumphal entry to die on the cross and not just to die, but to resurrect and invite all nations to new life, and he will come again, which gives us hope, because he comes again to usher in God's kingdom, which will not have death, and it will not have sin, and it will not have evil in it. And friends, that's good news, that's the gospel. And so back to our question, are there, are these seven year cycles to an exiled Israelite in ancient Babylon significant to you and I today? Yeah, absolutely. If anything, it screams of the most significant message we could ever know, God's love for us in and through Jesus. And so what do we do with this? Well, to close, I think what better to do than to look at the anointed one, the prince himself, When Jesus shows up on the scene, Mark records it. This is what he went doing. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent, that is to to turn away, to change direction. Don't live that life of sin. Change, turn from that to me. And trust, rest, believe the good news. Friends, I I think the invitation that we have tonight is the same invitation that God offers an Israelite in ancient Babylon. Just to turn, to change direction. You thought you were getting Israel and a new temple. I have something so much better for you. 
I'm gonna do away with sin forever in my people. And if we would take the time, even just tonight, what are those areas in our own lives where God is graciously tonight just saying, hey, turn away from that and back to me? The career, the finances, the relationships, all of those things good, but I actually have something more in store for them. To turn, repent from that and to rest and to trust the good news that Jesus is restoring and making all things new. Would you pray with me? Come gracious Father, thanks for the chance to rest with you tonight. Come, King Jesus, Messiah and friend. And come, Holy Spirit, and do what only you can do in and through us tonight. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Amen.
Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we praise you this evening because you are the God who is in control. And so God, as we leave this place and we are leaving thinking about this prophecy that was given to Daniel thousands of years ago that somehow has immediate bearing on our lives today, I, I ask, Lord God, that we look, we look forward not in fear, but in hope, knowing that you wrote the whole story. And you can only do that because you're in control, Lord God. Author of this world and author of our salvation, we give ourselves to you tonight and we worship you. Thank you for being faithful. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Hey guys, if you need prayer, we have our wonderful prayer team that's gonna be up here at the front. Um, and like, like we said before, uh, stop by our info booth on your way out if you wanna know how to get involved. But everybody else, would you say this with me? Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And the people said,